Welcome to the Sadler Lectures podcast. Responding to popular demand, I'm converting my philosophy videos into sound files you can listen to anywhere you can take an MP3. If you like what you hear and want to support my work, go to patreon.com sadler. I hope you enjoy this lecture. One of the themes, or if you like, one of the tropes or expressions that we see over and over again in the Cynic epistles that are attributed to Crates, the third scholarch of the Cynic school, is this notion that Cynic philosophy is a kind of shortcut. It is, we might say, sometimes translated, the royal road, meaning the road that's going on high and not being obstructed by all sorts of other things. And so the shortcut or the short path, hodos is the word that they use there for road, the word that we actually get method, methodos from. What is it a shortcut to? So sometimes it'll be the shortcut within philosophy. So it's a shortcut in doing philosophy and getting to what it is that philosophy is about. But it's also the shortcut to happiness, one of the things that philosophy is supposed to provide us. And we see this figure or trope coming up multiple times within the exposition or advice that Crates is giving to his fellow cynics and to people who might be attracted to cynicism. And cynicism by this time is already becoming, you could say, not just a school, but a tradition. And so in letter six to his students, he says, do philosophy more frequently than you breathe for living well to Udzain, uh, which is what philosophy accomplishes or what it produces is preferable to simply living, which breathing accomplishes, and don't do it as the others do philosophy. So already there's a distinction between how the other schools, how the other traditions are doing philosophy. Do it, he says, as Antisthenes began. Erxato. He started doing philosophy this way. And as Diogenes, the follower of Antisthenes, the teacher of Crates, as he perfected it, Ateliose, right? Bringing it to its, its fulfillment. So there's a clear consciousness here that Antisthenes is the founder, but he only brings certain things to the table. And Diogenes takes what Antisthenes is teaching, putting out there, and adds some other things and takes it to a higher level. So he says, if doing philosophy in this way is unpleasant, at least it is, and here we have that trope, shorter. Suntomototeron, right? So suntomos means short or brief, quick. It can be used of like a discourse. It can be used of a travel, a path. And so this is at least the shorter way of doing things. You'll find out that you're suited for it or not. And he closes by saying, as Diogenes used to say, one must proceed towards happiness, even if it's through fire. So the ascetic way of life of the cynics here is likened to passing through fire. In letter 13, we again find this reference being made to the way of life of Diogenes, and they talk about the cloak of Diogenes. So uh, cynics would wear a cloak, and they had a staff and a wallet, what we would nowadays call a backpack or a knapsack. So it says the cloak of Diogenes is disgraceful, but secure. The one who uses it is more trustworthy than other people, those who wear the robes of the Carthaginians. His 
life is simple but healthier than that of the Persian. His way of life is toilsome but freer than that of Sardanapalus. Now, these are all references that would make more sense in a context that, that he's writing in. Suffice it to say, what's going on in each of these is that the cynic way of life is something that imposes requirements on you, but it's going to be better off than these other people. So he says, if security is what you want, health, freedom, then philosophy that brings about all these things is better too. And if it's not the philosophy of others, once again, it is that of Diogenes who discovered the short road, the shortcut, suntomon hodon, to happiness, right? And then we get another really interesting comparison here in letter 19. Uh, you know, the cynics, like some of the other figures, would trace themselves back to earlier legendary people that were viewed as, you know, uh, displaying the kind of traits that they wanted. Uh, Odysseus is one, Hercules was another. And so he's writing to, to Patrocles and he says, don't call Odysseus the father of cynicism because once he put on the garb of a cynic, the cloak does not make a cynic, the cynic the cloak. Instead, call Diogenes the father of cynicism. He put the cloak on not just once, but throughout his life. He was superior to both toil and pleasure. He demanded his support, but not from the humble. He abandoned all necessities. He had confidence in himself. He prayed he might never attain to honors out of pity, but as a revered man, he trusted in reason and not in guile, which Odysseus is very known for, or bow, his war he was brave, not only at the point of death, but also courageous in his practice of virtue. Emulate not Odysseus, but Diogenes instead. Why not Odysseus? Because Odysseus isn't a real cynic at all. He just acted like one at a certain point. So we've got some interesting discussions here about this tradition that is in the process of development, which Crates himself is central to. Now we should talk about, well, what is it that philosophy is supposed to do? It's supposed to bring us happiness and freedom and virtue. Well, there's a few letters where they get into the nitty gritty of this. And one of these is early on, letter five to his students. He says that law is a good thing, right? Actually a beautiful thing, kalon, but it's not superior to philosophy. Why? Well, because law compels a person not to do the wrong thing. That's the way law works. It says, you don't do this or we're going to punish you. So it's, you know, the stick rather than the carrot, so to speak. Philosophy teaches the person not to do wrong, right? It actually, instead of just compelling them, gives them some reasons. And he says, to the degree that doing something under compulsion is worse than doing it willingly, to that degree, law is worse than philosophy. And he says, do philosophy, don't take part in government. It's better to know the means by which people are taught to do right than to know the means by which they're compelled to do wrong, not to do wrong. And so what you see here is that the law can't actually get people to do the right thing because they understand it and choose it. It can basically just keep them from doing the wrong thing. But philosophy can help us see what the right thing is and <laughs> steer us towards it. So we desire it for ourselves and we do it for ourselves. He's got another interesting clarification that he provides in letter 16 again 
to his students. He says that Cynic philosophy is Diogenean. The Cynic is one who toils according to this philosophy. And once again, to be a Cynic is to take a shortcut in doing philosophy. So don't fear the name or shun the cloak or wallet. If you were good, you would not be distressed at being called bad. Don't be distressed even now in taking the shortcut to philosophy. Even though other people are going to make fun of you, they're going to call you a, a dog, which is what kunos means, right? Cynic. And he says, all of this is merely opinion, right? Doxa. And doxa has kind of a double meaning here. So it does mean opinion as like what a person thinks, but doesn't actually know. And then shortly after this, he's going to say to be enslaved. And he's literally using the word there for being a servant or a slave, dulewin, to be a slave to opinion and disgrace, doxa kaya doxia. Now, in that sense, what it means is reputation, your social status or lack of social status or bad social status. To be enslaved to that and that to names, mere shadows, as they say, is most irksome, halapotaton, right? So coming from halapos, meaning difficult, bothersome, right? It's not something that you want. If you're focused on what other people are thinking, eh, you're going to have a, a rough time. Philosophy helps you not to be enslaved to that sort of stuff. And he says, despise these and other similar things. Literally, katafronen, to look down upon, to think less of. So that's, that's important. In letter 18, he's going to talk about the cynic way of life. And he says something really interesting here. Accustom yourself to wash with cold water instead of, you know, waiting for heated water or nice lukewarm water to drink only water as opposed to wine or all the other things that you could to eat nothing that has not been earned by toil to wear a cloak to make it a habit to sleep on the ground. So this is the asceticism of the cynics. What is the payoff of this? Well, not only can you put up with a lot of things, but you still have access to what's important. The baths will never be closed to you. The vineyard and flocks fail. The fish shops and couch shops go broke, as they will to those who've learned how to wash with hot water, to drink wine, to eat without having toiled, to wear purple clothing, and to rest on a couch. You will have everything that you need if you've accustomed yourself to simple living right? And to earning what it is that you get. In letter 29, there's a very important clarification here about indifference. He says, it's not because we are indifferent, the, the verb there, to not care about, to not differentiate. It's not because we're indifferent to everything that others have called our philosophy cynic, but because we robustly endure those things which are unbearable to them. And why are these things unbearable to them? Because of their weakness, diamalakian, or false opinion, right? Their mistaken views about things. And he says, it's for this latter reason and not for the former, they've called us cynics. Now he's addressing this actually to his wife, Hipparchia, who is, you know, also his student. And he's saying, you know, this is why people get mixed up about things. We don't actually display complete indifference. We just are able, because of our perspective, to deal with things so much better than other people who fail, complain, try to get away from them. There are three specific letters, too, that I think provide some very interesting, well-tailored advice. So he writes to Metrocles, who is 
his student and the brother of Hipparchia. And he says, so long as you fear the name Cynic, I'm going to call you by this name. So clearly Metrocles is kind of wavering. You are still plainly afraid of it. You yourself address us as Cynics, and you will learn how to do the other things in this manner if you make it a habit not to be afraid of words, nor merely to use them. And then here he says something about this path to happiness. The way that leads to happiness through words is long, but that which leads through daily deeds is a shorter regimen, right? So that is a interesting thing. And the word that we're translating there is regimen, melete, meaning like a occupation with something. Care is another way or concern. So a shortened mode of being concerned with one's own self. And he says the masses who desire the same end as the cynics, freedom, happiness, you know, they flee from those who preach it when they see how difficult it is. And then he says something really curious here. One must not become a cynic because of this way, but be born one. Now it's actually a play on words. So we should be a little bit leery here about how strong of a commitment this is. Ugenesthai, you're not becoming one, right? But genesthai, to be born of that race. But we can can see that through the, the regime, through the, the work, the asasis, you can become one. But he does say the regimen is more effective than the path itself. The path is behaving in a certain way that's identifiable as, you know, cynicism. The actual practice is what is important. To Ganymede, and this may be to a pseudonym, since Ganymede was a famous, you know, desired object of the gods, he says, so long as you fear the cloak and wallet and staff and long hair, and as long as you love purple robes and luxury, you will not cease leading on lovers as Penelope did her suitors. And, you know, he goes and says, if you like that, if you're, if you're cool with that, hey, live that way all you want, right? But if this is bothering you, become a cynic. You're not going to have to worry about people desiring you anymore after that. He says, put on the weapons of Diogenes with which he did drive away those who had designs on him. Rest assured, none of the lovers will ever approach you again. Why? Because you're going to look like a bum. You know, they're not going to be attracted to you anymore. And then finally to Hipparchia, we have this kind of triumphant letter. He says, We've got a kid out here. You were able to have a good birth because of your cynic way of life, your exercise, your taking on toil. And then towards the end, he says, raise this child as a cynic. Let his bath water be cold, his clothes be a cloak, his food be milk. Rock him in a cradle made from a tortoise shelf. This protects against childhood diseases. When he's able to speak and walk, dress him not with a sword, not as a warrior, but with a staff and cloak and wallet, which guard men better than swords and send him to Athens. And it closes on this very interesting note. As for the rest, I shall take care to rear a stork for our old age instead of a dog. So is he going to be a cynic or not? Well, we'll see. But he's saying, you and I are cynics. Let's raise our kid in this path to happiness. So the very important idea here that cynicism is sort of the shortcut, the quick way to what philosophy ought to be promising us, namely a happy, free, virtuous life. Special thanks to all of my Patreon supporters for making this podcast possible. You can find me on Twitter at Philosopher70, on YouTube at the Gregory B. Sadler channel, and on Facebook on the Gregory B. Sadler page. 
Once again, to support my work, go to patreon.com Sadler. Above all, keep studying these great philosophical works.